Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off starts. Oh, what a Against Gill, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! To the Sneaker History Podcast. Welcome to another very interesting episode of the Sneaker History Podcast. I'm Robbie, here with my guy Rowett. We could just be Row and Rob. That would work very well. I like the R&R Shoe Factory. Ah, that's a good one. Or uh, Rich and Regal. Who's the rich one? Who's the Regal one? Uh, You can be the rich one. I'll be Regal. You are extremely regal. How are you doing, though? I'm doing well, Robbie. You know, it's Friday in the Pacific Northwest, and I think it might be the last overcast summer day, which I'm okay with because it's not hot. It's really actually quite nice. This is my favorite type of weather, and I'm just happy I get one more day of it before the inevitable heat hits us here in Portland. How are you, though? It is a nice, weirdly breezy, cloudy day up here. Um, I had Chipotle for lunch, and I actually kind of wanted to, like – bring that up to the listeners because for a while we were discussing what food is good what food is bad so listener if you want to leave your response in the reviews or however else you want to reach us in the discord whatever but is chipotle good or bad i think chipotle is good in a lunch scenario what do you think i think so i think it's really good for informal work lunch scenario. I think it's underrated if you are doing a group workout with your buddies and then you're like, you know what? Let's all go get some rice bowls and just get weird because that's what Chipotle allows you to do. And then at the same time, my bugaboo with Chipotle is I'm a fan of their quesadilla. So previously it was a off menu item and then they decided to make it a menu item. But the caveat is you can only order it through the app, which is kind of infuriating because the app as I recently went to war with my local Chipotle, uh, when you order a veggie quesadilla, the implication within the app is you get guacamole. But then the last three times we've ordered that, I do not get the guacamole. So then I go back and I show them in the app, like, hey, it says guacamole, but you guys aren't giving me the guacamole. What the hell? Each time they begrudgingly give me guacamole that I swear they tell me to turn around so they can spit in, allegedly. But that's my new thing I am constantly in my uh, in my own head about. It's like, do I go on the Chipotle Reddit? So that way, if the Chipotle app developers are there, they can fix this. So that way, I know I'm not the only one struggling with that. Guacamole is expensive enough to fight that battle. I, yeah. I would not let that Absolutely. one go. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm the father of a little girl. I need to set an example. We will not stand for guacamole list case of Diaz. But listeners, are you on Team Chipotle or Team Not? Because when I tell people that I like it for lunch, they either hate on me or they agree. So I'm curious. Um, We haven't done this in a little bit. We've done a lot of 
um, informational episodes about the four of us. Rowett, what are you rocking and what are you looking to maybe cop? Rocking and copping. Uh, so rocking for me, and I'll go weirdly graphic. I've got my Air Flyies, a.k.a. the Lambos. No, I'm kidding. But more importantly, what I'm hoping to cop is I'm trying to set uh, money aside every month, maybe 20 bucks here or there. So that way around October when it's my birthday, I may pull the trigger on those Warito Dunks because my goodness, it's a beautiful shoe. But Nike SB, hook us up. Tell us it was going to be a super rare shoe because the implication was that it was going to be readily available or at least in more quantities than what were actually released. That's very true. We both independently took losses on that shoe. We both look at it after the release but you're so true you're so right it kind of seemed like a shoe that would be you know go enter some raffles and it'll work out type thing not go enter some raffles and pray to the gods so a little frustrating there but uh a fantastic shoe i love that um and when it comes for my rocking i've actually been rocking two things went for a little run earlier which spurred the chipotle um and i wore the new uh cloud surfer by on uh, I wore a black shoe in the dirt, uh, so that kind of stuff drives me nuts. But these are incredibly comfortable, man. Um, they're lighter, or I would say they're they're very different than the Cloud Monster. They're very different than like a pair of Cloud Xs. These are like a very happy medium between super cushiony and um, more uh, responsive and you know uh, stability f- forward um, pairs of ons. So the Cloud Surfer is a really comfortable middle ground. It did three miles in it and felt great. And then, uh, the other more comfort, I guess, more casual rocking, um, has been the converse weapon collab with fragment fragment has done so many collabs with the Nike umbrella corporation. Um, everything from what, uh, trainer ones to Jordan ones to converse weapons. The weapon in particular though, is one of my favorite shoes. We one might guess I'm a big fan of Magic Johnson, and in 1986, him, Isaiah, Larry Bird were really like the poster children for this shoe in, in a much different era, obviously. But what I mean by that is three of one brand's biggest athletes wearing the same shoe, um, and that's incredibly cool. Yeah, I mean, I think when we live in this era where signature athletes demand their own shoe be as different as possible, we're not going to see that amount of synergy unless there's a general release shoe that just captivates not only the audience, but then the actual players association as well. So, no, I don't think we're ever going to see something like that because we are kind of moving more and more towards individuality, especially when it comes to product. So true. And with this particular model... Just to throw a little bit of green or throw a little bit of purple on it or a little bit of royal blue. You have three heated rivals all in the same shoe, too, right? Like, they don't particularly like each other on the court. Um, Larry and Magic are historically friends off the court and, you know, Isaiah also. But those are three killers all trying to kill each other, all armed with weapons. Um, But I brought that up because in the Discord, I want to say about four or five of us acquired this shoe. And it seemed to be a, a, a divisive shoe because a lot of members were thinking this is just like a consolation prize to the Fragment Jordan 1 from many years ago. Or they're, they're just trying to harness that same energy by using the white, blue, and black combination. It is a very similar, if you're uneducated, it's a similar look to a Jordan 1, the Converse weapon. You can tell they come from the same, you know 
type of sport and the same type of lineage. But I don't really look at this shoe as a consolation prize shoe. This is a shoe not for everybody. Uh, what I mean by that is people into heat, right? They're going to look at this and say, oh, it's not the $3,000 Fragment Jordan 1 or it's not the Travis Scott Fragment Jordan 1, right? Like, what are you doing? But anybody who just likes shoes or likes Larry Bird or likes Magic or likes a lot of different things that aren't tied to dollar amount worth of shoes might like this shoe. So I think that's really important. No, I think it is important. And to your concept of consolation prize, I may be a weirdo when it comes to this sort of thing, but usually consolation prize to me means something in the immediacy. And like you had mentioned earlier, the Jordan 1 was, what, three, four years ago? So this is probably the longest delayed of a consolation prize I've ever seen. So I don't agree with that assessment. Second of all, one man's consolation prize is another man's grail. Like I know people that they'll miss out on a shoe and they'll use that as a justification to say, you know what? Because I had some money set aside for this shoe and I've got a little bit of a rainy day fund, let me go ahead and get that grail I really wanted. So consolation prize sometimes has this weird connotation of being inferior, and I don't necessarily treat it as such. And I think also, yeah, to your point around lineage and knowing our roots, the Converse 1 as well as – or sorry, the Converse weapon as well as the Jordan 1 do have some similarities, and they do represent a certain era of nostalgia and basketball for a lot of us. But I've never heard people speak about the Converse weapon in the same amount of hushed tones. Now, granted, you and I were probably not functionally alive when we were there for the pomp and circumstance of the Converse 1, but – I will say this. I think it's a great shoe on its own. I mean, if I was a bit more of a Converse head, I do think I would go after it. But let people be happy. Like, I think it's a brilliant shoe. And, I mean, I'm also respecting people's opinion in terms of, okay, if it's not for you, it's not for you. But don't denigrate the shoe to the point where you're like, okay, this is a nice uh, also ran. Because it's not. I think there's a real quality and a real care that's put together on that shoe. And it's indicative of any sort of fragment product, whether it be that Air Max, whether it be a Kobe, whether it be a whatever. And yeah, I think if anything, you are paying for a certain quality there when it comes to fragment colorways. So do you. I 100% agree. And our Discord member, member um, you know, Fano, he put a video out on Instagram of like the five shoes you need to buy right now. And it's a joke because it's all this buy the shoes you like to buy. This is something that like might get clowned on from somebody who maybe has a lot of like serious sneaker collector friends which sneaker collector friends is different than aficionado of sneakers. Um, but like just to back on somebody, because this might feel to an uneducated individual, like a lesser shoe than a Travis frag or a Jordan one frag. But like, this is beautiful. Like above anything, Converse almost gives you like a little bit of a rocker feel. Um, we haven't seen the weapon in true form in a long time. About two years ago, we had the CX weapon with CX foam throughout the midsole. Um, but I hope this opens the door for um, Larry Bird colorways and Magic Johnson colorways. There was a Converse fast break um, about five years ago that was fully Kevin McHale out. Like the green age look, um, him in the photos, just like the heritage what Converse can bring and regardless if it's a, a fragment collab or not really means nothing. You either mess with the design and it happens to be a fragment shoe or 
you know, maybe you're into shoes for the wrong reasons or no, I that's, mean, that's what it really gets me. No, and exactly to your point, Robbie, there may be a kid in the greater Orlando area that sees that shoe is like, you know what? That's an Orlando magic shoe. They have no idea what fragment is. If they do the research and they realize, holy cow, this is actually a really cool shoe. I consider that a plus plus in the sense because A, you bought a sneaker on your own volition. You didn't buy into the hype and then you actually got to learn a little bit more. And hopefully that deepens your appreciation for not only the Fragment brand but sneakers in general. So it's only a win-win. And the only time I get slightly peeved off is when people denigrate other people's shoes because at the end of the day, our community is built on making yourself happy before making others happy. Or at least that's how ideally it should be. And I granted, I sound like old man shaking my cane at the sky above saying, hey, you crazy clouds, get out of here. But let people live. I think it's good advice whether it's shoes or not. Um, If you see somebody walking by in a pair of shoes you think are lame, they're going to be in your eyesight for like one second, and then they're off and out of sight, out of mind. Get over it. Um, But I wanted to bring up like whether or not some shoes are recent shoes are cool or not, because five, three years ago, four years ago, when the last dance happened three years ago now uh yeah um, i feel like it was two years ago it came out during the 2020 because i felt ultimately that was the greatest consolation prize we got out of COVID. was they was. accelerated that timeline for the documentary let's drop it um but i feel like this fragment converse could have gotten away with reselling for stupid amounts of money three years ago just because the way it looked and because isaiah thomas was in that documentary now people are really looking at shoes like where is the resale value in this where is the Where's all the other value other than the intrinsic value of wearing the shoe? And I want to pivot to the Air Max One Puerto Rican Day Parades because Puerto Rican heritage and Nike go together very far, very way back. Air Force Ones, there's so many shoes with Puerto Rican heritage. And I feel like the older models, right, the 2005 up to like, let's say 2015, 2012, Puerto Rican Day Parade shoes were coveted. They were something special and these air max ones i don't think are anything different the only thing different is the perception and expectations of every shoe with like a collab or a special theme to be able to make you money and that's kind of fucked up <laughs> like these are great looking shoes and i kind of hope they don't sell out so i can buy a pair um maybe less than retail but do are you feeling these air max ones like have there oh, been absolutely. any other shoes recently that like no, i mean it goes to this concept of collaboration which is ultimately going to be kind of the bedrock of this show a lot of sneakers now is dictated on where it gets marketed so if it's on traditional nike.com I've got a shot. You've got a shot. The minute it goes to sneakers, whether anybody wants to acknowledge it or not, you start paying the tax of being a hyped shoe. I think this shoe on its own, great. It's a great summer shoe. It's fun. And more importantly, it brings out a cultural identity for a group of people that hopefully puts people on game. Because ultimately, those are the best kind of shoes. And they tell a story about not only the shoe itself, but a culture or an idea. I mean, we alluded to the Waritos thing as well. And I think one of the topics that you and I broached in the pregame meeting was like, what's the most collab-friendly shoe? And I think it's probably a toss-up between Air Max or the Dunk. And I think the Dunk does a little bit better job of going cross-consumer collaborations. So we'll see something the likes of Simpsons or Pop Culture or Waritos or who knows what else. Like one of the questions that came out of my episode in terms of the origin story of getting to know me was me coming up with a sneaker for my favorite superhero or a superhero that I enjoy. And I naturally gravitated towards the dunk because you can do so much with it. And more importantly, Nike's not afraid to take the chances. It's not a sacred cow in a sense that 
sometimes we'll see a shoe that's very hype for collab that just won't get through its paces because it's held in much more revered status. Mm-hmm. You're, I think you're right with putting the dunk in there too. Like probably the dunk Air Max one in particular of all the Air Maxes. Yeah. I think the one gets the most play. And then of course the Jordan one, I think those are probably the, the Holy Trinity for Nike sales in terms of like mustering up, uh, interest. In a sense. Yeah. I guess Robbie, let me ask you this just to kind of level set this conversation for the audience as well. What do you consider a clad? Is it something that ties into another corporation, a cultural identity? Is it a certain colorway? Like I know people have kind of gone gaga for the Tiffany dunks recently. And mm-hmm. really it's got that certain blue that's associated with like, where does your parameter of a collab stand up? So that way I think we can go about this conversation a little bit more intelligently. That's a really good distinction to ask and to make. To me, it's anything that has like a quote on it after the shoe. So the Air Max or Air Force One or Air Max right. One, yep. you know, Puerto Rican Day Parade. And it's an entity of some sort. So does having a Georgetown dunk, white, gray, and navy, that's a George. It's just Georgetown has happened to be coincided with that dunk since what, 1980? what 85 was the yeah 84 like 85 yeah yeah um says the be true stuff so that just happens to have like an uh a link but it's not really it's not that's not a collab it has to be you know halloween i would consider halloween a collab right or uh maybe a cl- oh see that's a great question because that's just a special edition halloween edition i think a collab has to be some kind of entity Entity. Definable okay. entity. Entity that exists outside of the, uh, the brand, brand partnership and that yeah. requires some sort of convergence of cultural touchstones like Nike's bringing Or legality. Shoe. Oh, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> you already have to have like the okay from DC to use blank. So, for example, Bait and DC Comics are releasing a Flash themed Puma RX shoe next week. Oh, wow. um, so, that's a collab because you have DC's okay to use that character, right? And even Bait, if you didn't have DC on there, Bait has given Nike or Puma or whatever brand X to use their logo on their shoes. So that's a collab, right? Yep. That's a great question. What is a collab? What do you think it is? What do you think the line is? I, mean, I think it's, it's exactly what you just said. It's a partnership between two companies or if we can get even broader, some sort of cultural Identity. It can be pop culture. It can be regional culture. Whatever the case, it just has a certain feel to it that feels authentic when represented on a shoe. Because I think you and I have also seen collabs in quotation marks that were like, okay, really, this is a collab for money grab. It feels mm-hmm. inauthentic. And that's where I'm trying to be very careful in terms of gatekeeping because I don't want to gatekeep the idea of a collab. But I do think there is a structure that needs to be followed for it to be considered official. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point because – I have the Evo moment Air Force Ones, and there is no Evo, Street Fighter, any kind of legal, none, no branding at all. There's just hints to, much like the Oompa Loompa dunk had nothing to do with Willy Wonka, right? Or Jedi dunks had nothing to do with George Lucas at that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, that's that's a really cool thing because obviously the Fragment Weapon is a collab, but like – a Lakers or Magic Johnson weapon wouldn't be one unless Magic's freaking face is on the side or, you know, his number or something. Then that's an entity. You have the okay 
Yeah. Right. Because, and I think to the point you were making earlier as well, I feel like Nike leads the league in unofficial collaborations, right? Oh, Even yeah. something along the lines of the recent Spider-Man shoes, they're very careful around the language around how they market it because they don't want to get sued because ultimately in life, that's one of the number one goals we as humanity are trying to move forward, which is don't get sued by a major corporation. Like keep your shit tight. So it's just generic enough that you're not raising alarm bells, but real ones know, they know. So I don't know because like collab to me sometimes is an idea. So I'll give this example. Like one of my favorite pair of cleats that's now stolen and I'm not at all bitter about it. So don't mind me as I get sadder and sadder as I continue this sentence was a collaboration between, I think it was a Nike Tiempo, which is a standard football cleat. And there was an Italian midfielder by the name of Andrea Pirlo, whose hobby post soccer and during off court soccer or off pitch soccer was winemaking. So they made a wine-colored shoe, and then when you got the actual packaging of the shoe, it had cork frills inside the paper. One of the insoles was made out of cork, another one was like that's a collab in the sense because they had the fortune of having Andrea Pirlo and their galaxy of stars to leverage. But then to the point that you and I are kind of discussing, like what is the brand entity? Can a brand entity be a person? Because we've seen a lot of collabs, especially in areas like Nike Performance Basketball, where we'll use the example that Mike Gillery, one of our beautiful co-hosts, likes to use which is the Kyrie Kyrgios one, where Kyrie wasn't necessarily a tennis player, but then because they had the corporate backing around both Nike tennis and Nike basketball, that was a collab that made sense for them that they were able to market on Front Street. Mm -hmm. That is. So it can even be another... Yeah, let's even use like the the, the Federer... It's not Federer anymore, right? The Federer Jordan exactly. stuff. Right? Ah. Yeah, but even, I mean, like, we'll use this opportunity to pitch back to our audience as well, because we're really dependent on you guys to continue the conversation past the 30 to 45 minutes this episode goes. What makes a collab to you guys? I mean, we'd love to hear about it, not only within our reviews that you guys leave us on your favorite podcasting medium, but also our Discord. And this is a shameless plug as well to join our Discord, where it's free. It's a great community of about 600 people. And we all like talking about not only sneakers, but everything else under the sun, except for maybe corporations. Hey, Dalton. Yes, we've been talking a lot of video game talk nowadays in that Discord. But so um, would, you, would you be excited if there was a Breath of Wild dunk? Man, yeah. oh, no, <laughs> it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be how. That's the kind of stuff where those. If you Google search Zelda Nike and you get like the customs that pop up on Google Images, video games I think are the best places for shoes like that. They'll make a really cool Mario custom dunk you know where he's like doing his little jump on this oh yeah all, all unofficial stuff but those will always look way cooler to me than like any thing that gets greenlit by nike pr yep you know it's just they can't do it the same way um but speaking of stuff that gets greenlit on a shoe the mellow and puma i feel like will just say yes to whatever like if it sounds like a fun idea yes it's like a cool idea yes Interesting idea? Yes. Bad idea? Yeah, sure. Why not? We'll it's just like the, Let's just they'll put it all in there. Um, and I bring that up because Puma just announced and is starting to show off the Lamello 3, the MBO3 to be exact. And this shoe is very peculiar to me because I own the one and the two and a one, two, three. Um, I own both. And this three fundamentally is the exact same shoe for a third time just with like things on it. And, and and I don't mean that in a bad way. The Lamello two is one of my favorite basketball shoes of last year, like top three or four 
I absolutely adore the Lamello too. But this little, when do you start changing design is, is, is my overall question because to its credit, when the Kyrie line was, I akin this to the Kyrie because Kyrie held a through line through eight shoes, eight or, well, eight or nine, but they were different through the line went through, but they were, yeah, but they were like more extreme, less extreme, more here, more there around the through line. This is literally just a third line. Like they're always running parallel. Um, and I, I don't know what to think because the mellow is always hurt. Seems like the kids don't care, which is fine. Um, but I just don't get how you could sell the exact same shoe for a third time, which is a little bit of difference. Like little bit it, of difference. I think it's the perfect storm. Like you said, LaMelo is not necessarily the most healthy player in terms of he's dare I say injury prone. So maybe that's the thought of like the shoe has not had a long enough history to have that slight deviation that's noticeable. So that's why they keep running it back. But the other thing I get, especially considering what I assume is uh, LaMelo's number one fan base, which is the kids. I think the thing that the LaMelo line has done really beautifully is truly gone out of the box in terms of the colorway. It's a colorway dominant shoe. Like that's all we care about is the colorway. Are the colorways different between the three models? Because I agree, Robbie, I'm not a Puma connoisseur the way that some may be that could tell you, no, actually the difference between the one to two is the midsole does yada, 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 while the top sole does blah, 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 blah. As long as they've got freaky colors and they tap into that youthful exuberance, like correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't the mellow shoe the first one to reference something like Rick and Morty? Yes, it was. And there's multiple so, I mean, Rick and like, Morty shoes. Yeah. So that's what the mellow shoe line exists for is goofy colorways, collaborations that appeal to the youth. Okay. Wink. And maybe LaMelo can be healthy enough to play them a whole season. I hope so, because um, I've seen him in person, I believe, with you, and he is fantastic. Um, but uh, I bring up the LaMelo 3 because as it kind of, for lack of a better word, replicates a lot of what the 1 and the 2 do, the Puma Stewie 2, Brianna Stewart shoe, um, also looks extremely like the LaMelo. Like, I don't think it's so much, because I don't want to make it sound like I'm just bagging on the Puma stuff, because it's it's fire. But they just go to a very distinct design language with their two biggest signature athletes, and they're kind of just living in that lane. Um, some people say, stay in your lane. Puma has taken that advice. But both the Brianna 2 and the LaMelo 3, I really see in a TikTok world. And maybe a lot of us sneakerheads of our age or around older, maybe a little bit younger, don't look at the internet that way. But you got to, Puma definitely is thinking of. All right, someone's some sixteen-year-old is going to do a nasty-ass dunk, windmill dunk, in a breakaway at a high school game, and we want him to like. We want to make such a crazy shoe. He's wearing it, like uh, let's just use Rick and Morty again, right? Um, put him in the Rick and Morty Lamelo twos. Kids are going to see him doing that crazy windmill dunk. It's going to go viral, yada yada yada. Everyone's going to be looking. What are those crazy-ass shoes he's wearing? Or you know, maybe he has crazy hair, and the crazy shoes match you know the style. Or maybe he's sleeved up already at 17 whatever just the brashness and the boldness of both the stewie 2 and the lamello 3 really just fits into a generation that i think i don't completely understand i'll tell you i don't right but it's there <laughs> like get over no, it, it not only is the generation is there to your point older brothers older cousins fun uncles 
we would like to think we care, but we don't. And we really should, quote unquote, stay in our own lane. The other comparison I make with regards to how Puma is marketing itself It's eerily similar to me to when Beats by Dre headphones first came on the scene because you had this incumbent of Bose, which was very performance driven and could not care less about aesthetic. Everything was gray. It was black. It was very bland. But my goodness, it was a high performing uh, speaker. This is speaker history after all, right? Compare and contrast that with Puma, where it's just like they are dipping exclusively into that Beats by Dre headphone. They're like, hey, you want a bright purple with a bright orange and a lime sneaker? We got you, fam. Just go ahead and do this behind the back elbow pass. So that way, when to your point, you get make it big on TikTok, everybody's like, oh, that's the Puma kit. Because I think that is that youthful exuberance that they're trying to capture. Because right now, as life exists, especially for our younger audience, everything exists in minute bursts. And what you do in that minute has to be vibrant, it has to be colorful, and it has to be demonstratively noticeable that nobody should be able to confuse you for anybody else. Yes. I mean, I should bring up – I think it's been in some – borderline trouble recently i don't keep up with the young kids that much but mikey williams right he's sponsored by puma he got an nil deal i want to say the second nils were available and he is that kind of youtube tiktok high school athlete where just we're not watching every one of those little mixtape videos anymore because but there was a point where we were watching john wall mixtapes and we were watching derrick rose mixtape videos and lance stevenson mixtapes like there's, it's just different now. People can watch those TikTok mixtapes, you know, TikTok 15 second long videos, and Puma can put an NIL deal on Mikey. And then when a kid is done enjoying that video, there could be a link to purchase at the bottom, right? It's, it's just a different time. No, I mean, and to your point as well, like I'm this comparison just popped up in my head. TikTok is essentially the most highly evolved version of the old flip book that you had that you would flip it and for like 15 seconds you would get a highlight tiktok is essentially that it's just remove the paper of it and it just resides in your phone right here so mm-hmm. i mean i i think did didn't when sign with nike yes he did he did okay because i mean he's just been so viral right i mean that's a real opportunity and it's in my opinion, been a missed opportunity while we're talking around this topic of athletes and shoes and going viral. He's been on everybody's phone or tablet or TV for like a year and a half straight now, just with the hype. The second, I mean, whatever the likes of that deal is, Nike should have had him in something more than, and I get he's just wearing like uh, super team shoes because he's size like 25, right? But you're Nike. You have the ability to make any shoe in size 25. Figure it out for this guy. He needs to be in something. They need to take a cue from the LaMelo Ball Puma playbook. Like You have a generational internet star. He's, he's a great basketball player. He's generational. Don't get me wrong. But he's also just an internet star. He he is, in a way, a perfect marriage of that old San Antonio Spurs aesthetic, which is just play ball, go home. But he's got enough flash and sizzle to his game that – It's going to be bigger than that. And to me, this reflects a similar opportunity. And I utilize this example because when I was an intern with Nike, my very first summer was the summer of Greg Oden. And Greg Oden was going to be this focal point because not only was he a dominant basketball player, the likes we hadn't seen, and we were heralding him as the next Bill Russell, there was a charisma and a funniness about him that was going to hopefully break that curse of big men not selling shoes. Now, I'm holding my breath slightly, but I think Wemby can do that. I don't know enough about him from a personality-wise perspective, and maybe he's a bit more Yao Ming than Greg Oden, where he's going to be sly and he's going to be dry with his humor. But my goodness... 
we are all going to remember the first time we saw that viral clip where he pulled up from a three-point uh, range, shot the shot, and then followed his own rebound and dunked it. Like that's a, yes. a tremendous thing to do if you're a six-eight wingman, not like a seven-foot-five point center in the truest sense of the word. It's it's insane. I mean, I don't think Wembenyama ever needs to have to your point of big men not selling shoes. But you don't have to. He doesn't have to have his own signature shoe, but he needs to have something like Lamelo that is so bright and poppy that when he goes viral for the fourth time in a week for doing something that no other human being can do, they can. The, the eyes need to go to the shoes, yep. basically, and that's not happening. I mean, yeah, but and a Robbie, lot. And I thought, if I can be devil's advocate as well, maybe it's not happening right now because he officially doesn't have a team, and maybe Nike is literally waiting for him to hear his name called by oh, uh, a spur. Adam Silver. And then as the minute he gets drafted and ESPN cuts that first commercial break with Wembenyama officially being drafted by the Spurs, we're going to see like a brilliant 90-second spot from Nike saying, hey, the new king of the jungle has arrived. Here's a flashy be shoe. Man, why you don't do marketing for Nike is beyond me because that's a great idea. Maybe not king of the jungle, but something. Um, They'll I, figure I, it out. Almost... I mean, like, I'm, I'm an amateur. They're professionals. It is such a foregone conclusion that he's going number one that I was about to be like, "Row it, you're dumb." They've already he's already been drafted. Like, no, he he hasn't. Just uh, it's you yeah, don't no, pick anybody way, else. Because right now, I I have a daily occurrence where I will check Nike.com, see what the latest product is, and I've got like an internal list in my mind of okay, I need to see when the new Chelsea jersey comes out. I need to see when the new Chief stuff comes out, and Wemby is number three on my list because I need to know when that. San Antonio Spurs black and silver and white is there. So, you know, we can give it to Mike because Mike is still the biggest San Antonio Spurs fan in our Discord, if not the world. Hi, Mike. Will you buy a Wembenyama Spurs jersey? Oh, absolutely. I just think. Absolutely, okay. Yeah, because there is something about this. And I think we thought we had it with Zion. We didn't for reasons we can talk about maybe in a different episode. We had it with LeBron in the sense that everybody remembers that iconic commercial that I think took place as soon as his first commercial as a Cleveland Cavalier came through where the commercial looked almost so eerily similar to the game. We're like, what just happened? Yeah. It's, it's him freezing or like, is he going to yeah. freeze? And he goes, yeah. no, they had, they, they, to your point, it looked so real. Cause they, they, they hired real NBA players. They might be in the spot if I remember. Cause I think they yeah. played the Kings his first game. Or is Christie. Uh, yeah. Christie. In, in the twilight of our brains, they seem familiar. Um, all right. That's enough for this episode, though. That was – it's, it's an interesting topic, right? Um, what shoe is the is the throat coat of collabs for Nike? Um, what is the what is a deal collab? with Puma? Yeah, what's a collab? Um, what's up with Puma stylistically looking the same? All good, though. Um, and is Wembenyama going to work – Right, he needs to wear this like bright pink shoes because they're size twenty five, bro. Like you can't miss. You put it in highlighter pink and yellow, like a Lamelo shoe. That's, you can't miss it. I, I mean, not amazing. only that, he's perfect for this era because we've no longer had to follow that draconian rule where your shoes have to meet your uniform requirements. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of like that. I, I a part of me misses it because it made the special occasions feel more special because you could wear them on you know MLK Day, Christmas, what yada yada. But uh, like seeing Dante DiVincenzo in like a hot pink shoe with those like royal blue Golden State Warriors jersey, I don't like it. It's not a bad thing. I'm not gonna like tell anybody to not like it, but I'm draconian apparently. 
And I'm like, uh, Draco. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Like, I'm going to say, Jaw, I get it. It's even hard not to do it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, all right. On that note, thank you for listening. I hope you found that last part non-offensive to Jaw Morant. <laughs> um, anywho. And if you do find it offensive, you can find us on social medias at Nick yes. Engball and Todd Yates. Thank you. Thank you so much. Make sure you're following at Sneaker History on all major platforms. Thanks for tuning in and have a pleasurable weekend. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you And we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.